going to start. Okay, Bokatov. So today's daf is daf Zion, um, and we pick up at the bottom of Vavamud Path. And the discussion here is, um, and we've been dealing with different um, sources for Baal Ta'acher, and also me- recently the um, uh, positions of Rava that extended it, extended it Zaka Yer over the altar right away. When the Anim are present, you're, you, you, you are Mavatul say even after the first Regal, um, you're over every single minute after you've transgressed, and um, related issues. Um, okay, so now, and then we also have the idea that you would also be over after a year, um, even before three Regalim, and we had scenarios in which that could happen. Now we pick up at the bottom of Vava Mutbet, um, and we have the following. Um, by, uh, by Rebbe Zera, about 15 lines from the bottom, right after the asterisk where it says Hamisha. So, let's just get started for a minute, then we'll ask. By Rebbe Zera, Yorish Mahu Bevalta Acher. Does the Yorish transgress Balta Acher? The heir, because the halacha is, is that if your a person's father or whatever, mother, let's say father, ex- you know, took a vow and separated off an animal, if they just took a personal vow, it doesn't transfer to you, but they sanctified an animal, and then the, this person, the heir inherited, he has to bring it. So, does he have Baal Ta'acher? Now, on the one hand, you might say, well, he didn't take the vow. But as we've already learned, Baal Ta'acher is not limited to vows, because Baal Ta'acher is even if somebody has an obligation to bring a chatas or an asham. So, it's an obligation of a korban even without it being a vow. Okay, although this is a little bit different, because this is also... The animal is sanctified, but you don't have a personal obligation, right? The obligation stems from the fact that you've inherited an ola. But it's not like, A, you didn't take a vow, you didn't sanctify it, and B, it's not like a chatas or an asham where you're obligated, right? I mean, you're not obligated. It doesn't start by an obligation on you, the person. It starts by a reality that you have a sanctified animal in your house. So, you know, so this, so it's, a, it's obviously a, sla- it's a different case than a classic um, Baal Ta'achir. So, what? Yeah, okay. But we're not talking about that. That's true. So what is the story with the Yorish with Baal Ta'achir? You didn't take the vow. You don't have a direct personal obligation, but you are obligated to bring it because it is your sanctified animal, a sanctified animal that you inherited. So, so Baal Ta'achir. If you make a vow, you did not make a vow, although as I pointed out, there is Baal without having made a vow. Um, but nevertheless, this didn't start with you. You should bring there, you should come there and bring there to Yerushalayim, your, to the base of Mikdash, your Korbanot, and you're obligated. Now that's not a Pasuk in Baal that's a general Pasuk about bringing your Korbanot to the base of Mikdash, um, but maybe they're linked, and maybe if you have any obligation to bring a korban, even if it got you through inheriting this animal, it would also link you to Baal Ta'acher. So the Gemara says, Tarshma, come in here. The Tanning Rebbe Chia, Me'imach, Kidaroji Dresheno Hashem Elokach Me'imach, God will seek it out from you. Pratli Yoresh, you, not the heir. If it's an heir who did not make the vow and did not have a direct obligation to bring it, then the heir is exempt from Baal Ta'acher. So the Gemara says, Don't you need it to tell you, which was, as we pointed out multiple times, the most bizarre inclusion in the Baal Ta'acher category. But anyway, we learned it out from there, because those are psukim where the Torah says, the poor person imach with you. So the Gemara says, No, it has, since it says, the imach tells you, the meimach tells you only you, 
not your heir. It's funny the phrase karibe, because normally the Gemara just says, no, there's an extra man. Karibe often suggests a different way of reading the verse. But anyway, the Gemara is saying you learn both out. So interestingly, although as we said, Baal does not require you to make the vow, like if you're an obligated in the Chathas from Asham, it does have to start with you. So even though you're obligated to bring this Korban because you inherited it, and there might still be the mitzvah say of Ubasa Shama, Vivesan Shama, there is not Baal Ta'acher. Okay, by Rabbi Zeir, now Rabbi Zeir had another question. Isha, Mahi Acher. Is a woman transgressed Baal Ta'acher? Now that's bizarre. Why not? She took a vow. She's obligated. Why shouldn't she? So, Now, this is quite fascinating. Because, again, since the Gemara, the Torah doesn't connect it to the Regalim, but all we've been learning in the Gemara is a connection to the Regalim. And so maybe a woman doesn't have to be all the Regal. A woman could stay at home while her husband is all the Regal. So, therefore, the significance of having had that opportunity to bring it during the Regalim, and the Regalim being a significant time, you had a chance, you didn't bring it, it's Fatahir, that doesn't apply to a woman. So, maybe since she could stay at home the whole time and never be in Yerushalayim, so she never squandered an opportunity. So maybe there's never a sense of ichor, right? Now, obviously, the Gemara before took a whole idea of a year. So according to the idea before that, there's just an a, a, a ichor because of time on the calendar. You're a year late, then that would. But if you emphasize ichor delay in the context of of regalim and squandered opportunities, so maybe it would not apply to a woman. So therefore, maybe she does not have batacher. Oh, or perhaps we say ha'isa b'simcha. She's included in the mitzvah of simcha, v'samachta and therefore she has to be in Yerushalayim in order to experience simcha, and therefore she is in Yerushalayim. Okay, so what do we say? Um, so the Gemara says like this. Um, now. Amalebai, by the way, even though it's Yitzchayv and Simcha, doesn't mean he actually goes into the base of Mikdash, but nevertheless, being Olul Regal to be, have that Simcha together in Yerushalayim might be enough. Amalebai, so Abai said back to Rabbi Seila, the tape of da Isa b'Simcha, so I says, yeah, okay, that's a good enough reason. She's part of Simcha. What's your question? He has to be in Yerushalayim. Again, even with that, you could have said she doesn't have to be in the base of Mikdash. Anyway, but let's take a look. But the bias for bias that was enough. So the Gemara says, "Umi Amar Abai Hachi." The Abai really says that that's obviously enough. Amar Abai Isha Baala Misamcha, a husband, a woman, her husband, you know, gives her joy, which means now, which means that what does that mean? So Rashi says it means that she doesn't have to eat korbanot. That the idea of simcha, which is which is shlame simcha, is not applied to a woman. It's another form of simcha, nice clothing and so on. And therefore, she doesn't have to be anywhere even near Yerushalayim. The husband, it could be like you know what they do now when they go to uh, where are they Uman. You know, where there's all these interesting stories, like, you know, oh, these husbands are abandoning their wives, like, some of them, their wives, not, not all of them, I can't speak for the women, but some of their wives say, love it, get rid of the husbands, we'll have these time to themselves, you know, all the women get together, so, and, you know, he leaves, he leaves her, gives her some nice clothes, maybe everybody's happy, okay, separate vacations, so, that's what Rashi says, she doesn't have to be in Yerushalayim, Tosa says, no, she would have to be in Yerushalayim to eat the Shlomei Simcha, but the point is, she wouldn't have to bring the Shlomei Simcha, Right? Um, let's see what this is. Um, yeah, three lines on the bottom. So the Gemara says, 
Right? So, yes, the husband, maybe she partakes in the Shlame Simcha, but she's not the one that has to come to the base on Mikdash. The husband brings the Korbanot and has her eat from the Korbanot. Okay? So, therefore, um, um, so, therefore, there is, that might be enough to say that she's not, uh, it's not an idea of Baal Tachir. Okay? Um, so, let's take a look. Um, what about the unmarried? Girls. I mean, so then, I mean, not, then certainly they're not obligated. It's fundamentally an obligation on the men. But the even when they're even when they're included in simcha, because they're still not the ones going to the base of mikdash. Okay. So the Gemara says, if they're not the ones going to the base of mikdash, according to Rashi, it's not even related to the korbanot. Why is this relevant? No. I hope they're not even going into the Beis HaMikdash they're not even eating Korbanos but you Rabbi Zeyra that you mentioned the idea of Isa B'Simcha presumably you hold they are eating from the Basra of Korbanot or maybe you even hold that they would go into the Beis that they would bring Shlame Simcha although that we've never heard anyway shouldn't that be enough so again this is quite fascinating because um, it gets to the issue you know is Baal just Ihor like we just say it's like past a year, which is what we had before, calendar time, or the specific link to the regalim, and if it's linked to the regalim, then maybe it's not enough that it's a regal. Maybe it's a, a regal in which you have an obligation to be in the base of Mikdash, or maybe obligation to be in Yerushalayim. That might be the difference here with the case of the woman, to be in Yerushalayim to eat the korbanot, but not to be in the base of Mikdash, and that defines the sense of a squandered opportunity, and that defines Baal Yes, Michael? One thing I wanted to ask before was, women's thing they said was on... Well, first of all, we already talked. So, the Beta Knesset might be, is not going to be the Tzedakah. Under what category does Beta Knesset fall? Does it fall under any category? Does it fall on a, under a type of a, you know, Stam Neder, like or a type of a Beta bias? So, it's not exactly clear where it falls under, but Tzedakah particularly emphasizes Aniyim and gives it a different time frame because of Hakaime Aniyim. So, um, and, but yes, you know, I mean, that's why people are often very mocked to say the lean nether and so on. Not just so that if they don't do it, they don't violate their nether, but also so there would not be baltachir. But yes, it is a very fascinating uh, discussion about, you know, real issues about at what stage is the real baltachir by when you plenty give money at a certain time. Um, okay, but I'm not going to give you a full halachic answer. Okay, so Ibai Luhu. That would be a separate here. Um, which I won't get to. We'll talk about it some other time. No, seriously, let's go on. Ibai Luhu. They ask the question. Bechor me'ema saimonim lo shanan. Now, this is not bal ta'acher, uh, because this is, but once we're talking about a time frame, the Torah says that you're supposed to eat a bechor shana b'shana every year. So when does the, you start counting the year for a bechor? The time it's fit to be brought as a korban, meaning eight days old. If it's born without a blemish, then it's fit to be a korban, then you don't start until day eight. If it's born with a blemish, then it's not going to be brought as a korban, and therefore you start immediately. Okay, the idea, because what do you do with a bachor with a blemish? You don't even redeem it, as we said, you can't redeem it because you didn't instill it with Kedushah, naturally has Kedushah, and the Kohen eats it with a blemish outside of the base of Mikdash. So therefore, the idea of a year there would be, would start from the day it was born. So the Gemara says... From after it's eight days old, because it's only, you only start counting the year from the time it's fit to be brought, which is after it's eight days old. So the Gemara says, you start counting immediately, because, it's fit to, because it would be fit to be shechted and eaten immediately. So the year would start immediately from the day it's born. So the Gemara says, since when can you eat a Balmum the day it's born? Because, you know, Rashi's sort of saying, if it's born, you know, maybe 
it's uh, nasal. Maybe it's a uh, maybe it's like a you know a not going to not going to survive, and therefore it can't be eaten. Especially maybe especially if it has a mum. So No, sometimes an animal could be born, and it's clear that it has a full nine months of gestation, and it's clear that it's fully born of healthy, and it's not a concern of it being a nasal. And then there are cases where you could eat an animal the day it's born, and therefore you would start counting the year from the day it's born. What problem do you have there, Charlie? I, I mean, that's saying that uh, that a decree from the Torah is conditional. Obviously. What do you mean? What are you talking about? I mean, I just, I just find that surprising. What decree is conditional? What are you talking about? So, so if you think you can figure out that it was full, you, you, the truth is, you rarely know ever how long the gestation was. Yeah. They, they. But what, what decree is conditional? This is just a halacha of whether you're concerned that it might be a nasal or not. How do you, how can you be sure? Whatever. Halakha has different ways of defining. I don't understand what's bothering you. Tana Rabbana. A rabbi's well, taught. I'm serious. We, we make assessments all the time in Halakha. Because it says, Shana B'Shana. What are you doing? What are you waiting You're for? You're eating for, I don't know. You know, you don't, you don't want to shech it the first day. You know, you're procrastinating. No. I'm sorry if I wasn't clear. You have to eat it, or not, you have to, I mean, but the evidence, you can do it afterwards, but you're supposed to eat a before within the year. Okay, I'm sorry if that was that clear. Shana b'shana. Shana b'shana. So you're supposed to eat the b'chor within its first year. So the question is, how is that first year defined? Eat it the first year. Yeah, either eat it or bring it as a korban within the first year. Now, are you over in Baal Ta'achir if you have the year without having the three regalim? I don't know exactly. Okay, but this is at least the idea of shana b'shana. Tanu Rabbanan, a rabbi's taught. So now we're done sort of with some of the Baal Ta'acher, okay, and now we're going to look at the rest of the day at a different bright note that, um, that have other things that are on the list of Rosh Hashanah that we did not have in our Mishnah. Okay, Tanu Rabbanan, Be'echa B'Nisan, on the first of Nisan, Rosh Hashanah L'Chadashim, it's Rosh Hashanah for the month, Meaning, you, Nisan starts you, month one, Bachalisha Rishon, Bachalisha Sheni, etc. I mean, that's the most explicit in the Torah, right? Iburin, for making a, 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 a leap year, we'll see what that means. Sounds like you decide, you, could, you decide on, Rishon, on Nisan whether to make a leap year, which is already 12 months in advance. Uchumot Shkalim, which is clear, we learned, we learned Shkalim, means that the bringing the Korbanot from the new Shekel starts at the, starts on Rosh Chodesh Nisan. We know, that's why in the beginning of Adar, you go and you send the shluchim out and you start uh, <coughs> collecting the shkalim because you bring the, korba, new korba, the korbanot from the, new, from the new donations you know from the because the whole point of korbanot is that they come from communal funds and you recollect it every year and you start bringing from the new funds on Nisan and some say even for renting houses that if you say to somebody I'm renting you this house or this apartment if you say for a year then it's 12 months but if you say until the end of the year so the end of the year that means when and this is saying well when comes until the last day in Adar and the first day of Nisan is already a new year so that's quite fascinating I mean again supposedly if you're using the years of kings for your starot and your secular financial documents and those get incremented on Rosh Chodesh Nisan then it's not crazy to say that when you do other financial transactions and you refer to the year that you refer to a year which, re- which starts again and gets incremented on Rosh Chodesh Nisan is that clear? The logical connection of those two? Again if in your locale they use the secular dates and the secular kings and they do it by Rosh Chodesh Tishrei the counting of the years that would be, this would be quite strange okay so, we'll, so let's take a look now as we unpack all of this so then, so then the rent adjusted the same way that so when you purchase 
purchase of land depends on how many... Yeah, so that's an interesting question. If somebody basically says, if, 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 if the document says, like, till the end of the year, and the money is, like, clearly six months of rent based on whatever the going rate is, but, you know, but Rosh Chodesh Nisan is a month away, what do you do? Do you say, well, clearly it meant Rosh Chodesh Tishrei, it means Rosh Chodesh Nisan, you know, or do you say, no, you know, maybe it was, uh, maybe he just paid a lot for the apartment, you know, so that becomes an interesting question. I'll get, I will discuss it a little, in a little bit when we get to it in the Gemara. So let's take a look. So, Okay, how do you know? So we're a little behind now, but you're going to see this stuff is going to go super fast. How do you know that Rosh, that Nissan is the Rosh, is Rosh Chodesh? It starts the counting of the months. That it's the first month is Nissan and the second is year and so on. So that's where the Torah says that the first month, this month that Pesach comes, is the first month, and that's how it gets started counting as one. And that's why the other months in the Torah is Chodesh Hashemi and Chodesh Hashlishi, etc. And it's the month that Pesach was brought. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know. So, because um, it helps a lot to that. Basically, to prove the reason the quote of the whole Pesach, could have said Vigomer, but was to get to the last point, that the month, which is Rosh Chodeshim, is the month that the Korban Pesach was brought. Okay? So, and that's going to be important, because how do we know which month Pesach was brought? Right? I mean, it's a little circular. Oh, it was obviously brought in Nisan because it says, it says the first month. I, you, know, it was, you know, which month was that? How do we know which month Pesach was brought? We know that the month it was brought was called month number one. So here's how we know which month it was brought. So Xiv, another verse says, Shemur Chodesh Aviv V'asisa Pesach L'Hashem Elokecha. So we know that the Pesach is brought in the month of the spring. And Aviv is understood to be the month in which the wheat ripens. Okay, or the barley is the ripening of the grain. And that clearly is Nisan. Ezu Chodesh Yeshbo Aviv, which is the month that has this ripening of the grain. Have you Omer, Zen Nisan? It's Nisan. So we see Aviv was the Korban Pasach, and that we know is Nisan, and therefore we know that Rosh Chodesh, that the first month is Nisan. So the Mosheh says, Ve'ema Iyar. What do you mean by Iyar? How about Iyar? Maybe, you know, there's still some ripening going on. No, but you know Aviv Aleka. There's no real ripening of the grain still happening in Iyar. Ve'ema Adar. Well, how about Adar? Some grain ripens early. No, but you know Rov Aviv Aleka. You need it to be the primary month of the ripening. So the Mosheh says, Midi Rov Aviv Aleka. I don't know, it say the primary month of the ripening. Maybe Adar is already considered to be Aviv. Maybe Pesach happened in Adar. Ella Amar Avchiz Demehacha. Fine, this verse. So we'll try to do another thing which we can infer it based on the agricultural period. In the seventh month on the, fourth, on the 15th day, Sukkot, when you gather in the grain, you know, it's been drying out in the field. What's the month that you gather in the grain? It's Tishrei. It's called the seventh month. So therefore you see that clearly Nisan is the first. The Eimam or Cheshvan? Nah, how do you know? Maybe maybe it's Cheshvan. Umay Shvi Shvi Iyar. Maybe Iyar is number one, and therefore you know Sukkot falls out on Cheshvan. No, but you know Asif There's no real gathering of the grain still happening in Cheshvan. The Eimam Elul. How about Elul? Umay Shvi Shvi LaAdar. That's seventh Adar. Because since we already said that some of the grain begins to ripen in Adar, that could mean that some of the of the gathering in begins to happen in, right, in, in uh, what do you call it, in Elul, okay, so maybe, maybe Elul is the beginning of the gathering in, the same way Udder was the beginning of the ripening, no, 
You need the month that is predominantly about gathering in. So you might ask the same question. It doesn't say predominantly about gathering in. So just because they're linked to agricultural periods does not exactly fix it on Nisan or on Tishrei. There could still be, maybe the early stuff could be a month earlier. Elama Ravina, Ravina says, fine. We did not. We cannot really prove it from from the you know from the Torah because obviously there needs to be a sixth point of reference which is not exactly you're able to find in the Torah. Um, but we could learn it from the words of Kabbalah, meaning from the Nevi'im um, and the Ketuvim. And now what we're going to do is we're going to quote Sukim. If you take a look at this down the side, basically from Zechariah and Esther, which both share the quality of being post the first Chorban Abayis and coming back from the exile, and therefore importing the names of the Babylonian months. And these, these uh, psukim are going to identify the numbered months with the named months, because this is when the named months begins, is when they have had the experience of Babel, and they have adopted the use of those names. So let's take a look. On the 21st day of the 11th month, which is Shavat, Shavat is 11, then Nisan is 1. So 10 is Tevei, so 1 is Nisan. Alright, so Yisrael. <laughs> So that wasn't explicit that it means the first month and the numbering of the months. So we wanted the other so two. Yeah, that already that we wouldn't have said. I don't know. Okay, so Gmar says Vitana Didan. Now why did our Tana not say that Nisan was the beginning of the numbering of the months? So it says Bishanim Kamari, the Kadashim Kamari, it's not dealing with months. Dealing with the entire year. So this issue of month numbering is not its interest. You could also say, by the way, that month numbering was no longer relevant. Once you started using named months, right, it stopped being, I mean, it's, a, you know, a relevant uh, thing, halacha, this issue of the numbers. By the way, Tosus makes two points very quickly. Tosus says, Tosus says, look, there's not really a fixed point here either. Just because you say month one is Nisan, it begs the question, which is, and when is Nisan, okay, <laughs> right? So what? So who says you know who says Nisan is what we identify. So obviously you, you have to have some fixed point. So if we already know what the order of the months are, right, and which you know which is first and which comes next and so on, then you're able to once you link in the numbers to know what we're talking about. Okay, and by the way, and I just want to read the next line. So the Yerushalmi says very clearly they adopted the, the names of the months from Bavel. Uh, 
Lashona, originally, in the Nevi'im, like if you look in Malachim and so on, it says, B'yerech Eitanim. It calls the month, the month of Eitanim. What does that mean? Shabon Nodu Avot. The strong one. That's when the forefathers were born. We'll see this later in the Gemara. B'yerech Bul, or another month is called the month of Bul. This is in Tanakh, earlier. Shabon Kololam Novel. That's when there's like the, uh, you know, the fall, the leaves are falling down. Vartasuya Bulot Bulot. Shabon Bulim Labeim Abivatem. B'yerech Ziv. Shabon Ziv Ha'ilanot. That that's when the trees are blossoming. So what he says is, there actually was an interesting transition. In the early period of the time they were in Eretz Yisrael, the months were also associated with maybe more descriptive names that described agricultural events, you know, and maybe those were beginning to become names of months. But then, at the next stage, there were like three stages. First, numbers, then descriptive names of agricultural things, and then the names that were adopted from Bavel. Of course, the names that were adopted from Bavel, some of them relate to Babylonian gods, so yeah, which raises yeah. very interesting <laughs> questions. Okay, back to the Gemara. Okay, two I don't know. That was the two points. Oh, okay. One was that you needed to have, a, you needed already <laughs> to know the order of the months, and the other was that the months were adopted from Bavel. It's fascinating. Okay. I never ever thought of that question, you know, like until now. Like, right. How do we know that Nisan is, is right. the Right. And, and, and it's for some fixed point of reference. Yeah. Exactly. And I am totally ruining my phone here. Okay, so now, wow, I really just did a nice job on it just now. Okay, so now the Gemara says like this. Um, so the Gemara says, um, says the Gemara, we count it from Nisan. So, I'm sorry, I, I misread that. Do we really count the from Nisan? That you do not because the Gemara assumes it means that you would assess whether to make a leap year on Nisan, which is really a whole 12 months in advance. But the Brayta says, you don't do it too early. You don't do it before Rosh Hashanah, before Tishrei. And if you did it, it doesn't even work. If there's a, if there's a concern of pressure, which basically means, like Rashi says, you're afraid, for example, that there might be a edict from the Roman government that won't let you do Eber Shana later on, or you might not have, the Nasi might not be available, and you need the Nasi to be involved, then you can do it immediately after Rosh Hashanah. And anyway, whenever you do it, the only month that you can add is an extra month of Adar. Okay, that's because it says, you know, that's because we've been that from Aviv, and therefore since the point of the Ibor is to make sure Pesach falls out in the spring, then the adjustment occurs right before Pesach and occurs in Adar. Anyway, you see here that it can only be done from Tishrei, and uh, we say that it can be done all the way from Nisan. Okay, one of the reasons that you don't want to do it too early in advance is that the word people will forget, right? You want to sort of have it that it's within the context that people remember, okay, we're making an Ibor year, and they know that it's going to happen. You don't want to do it too, too much in advance. Also, the reasons for doing it might change if you do it too much in advance. Okay, so the Gemara says like this, Amr of Nazim by Yitzchak, my Iburin, Hafsakat Iburin. No, when it means it's the Rosh Hashanah for Iburin, it means that when Nisan comes about, you can no longer make it a leap year. Since you can only make a leap year in Adar, the last opportunity to make an, an, a leap year is the last day of Adar. Then you could say, now we're going to have another Shani. But once it's the first day of Nisan, it's too late to make a leap year. Um, taught in the Mishnah, they, which is the uh, same people we had before, which is Rav Papayas and Rabbi Yehoshua, they testified, this is again going to Edios, that you can, do the, you can add, do a leap year the entire Adar. You can wait till the very last day of Adar before adding a second Adar. Shahayu Omrim, they used to say, you cannot do it after Purim. Right? You can't do it at the very, very last minute. 
And now we see you can do it all of a dark. My time in the Mandamar to pour. And what was that logic? Keeping them Mamar, because since we teach, that you start talking about Pesach 30 days before, so what's going to happen after Purim? You're going to start teaching Hilchas Pesach. And that meaning, you're sending a message to everybody that it's going to be Pesach in 30 days. And then you decide to make an, a leap year. And then it's not going to be Pesach for another 60 days. Okay? So, they'll come to, be treat, to, to, to treat lightly the prohibition of Chametz. Now, where will, when they will treat it lightly? I assumed what it meant was that this year they'll get the message that it's a leap year, but then they'll also have internalized a different message. They'll internalize the message that even when we start learning about Hilchos HaPesach, it might not necessarily wind up to be Pesach 30 days from now, and maybe next year, you know, they won't treat the actual Pesach as the real Pesach. It's like the time I have when you do too many fire drills, but then you say, don't, don't, you don't worry, you don't have to get up, it's just a drill. Yeah. So, so then you teach everybody to ignore it. So, okay, you're teaching me to ignore the learning, because this year we did the learning and it was another six, and it wasn't, pes- wasn't Pesach right around. Rocky says, no, Rocky says, the problem is this year you'll, you'll be Lizuzule. You won't believe it when you heard it to leap year. Nah, it's not a leap year. We've been learning Yochos Pesach over the last two weeks. And therefore, you'll make Pesach in Adar Sheini. And when it really comes to Nisan, you won't believe that's Pesach. Okay, anyway, you don't want to confuse people at the last minute. So you, you can only do it before Purim. Um, the other one says, People know that an Ibr year is, depends on calculations. And it's always, you know, it's always like being figured out and, adjust, and determined. People understand, yeah, the rabbis didn't exactly, you know, figure out the calculations and exactly make the determination until now and they'll accept the reality that yes, you do have an Eber year and they'll, and it won't, you know, lead to them dismissing it. Okay, the Tanadidan, now, so now we know why we said that it's Rosh Hashanah for Eberim, which means that this becomes, ends your opportunity for making an Eber year. It starts a new year and the previous year, if the previous year is going to be a leap year, it has to occur before Nisan. Okay, the Tanadidan and our Tanadidan, he's interested in ways in which the year starts at Nisan, not the way in which the previous year ends. Because again, the Eber year doesn't start in Nisan because you can't deter- make it a leap year from Nisan. You have to wait till Tishrei. Nisan only ends the previous year as its potential to being a leap year. Okay, so that's and the idea of an Eber year. Yes? Uh, somewhere, I don't remember where it was, there's a passage that takes that Hiskiyahu uh, retroactively declared Nisan to be our daughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a Gemara about that. That's he, one of the things he did, that lo hodu lo chachamim. Right, yeah. right. Okay. All right. So, the Chumash Shkalim, you know, collecting new funds. I mean, the collection happened earlier, but drawing on the new funds for bringing the Korbanot before <coughs> the communal sacrifices. Minolan, where is this from? Amar Rabbi Yoshai, Amar Kratzis, Rabbi Yoshai says the verse, Zosulat Chodesh Bechachel Lechachel Hashanah. This is the Ola of, of the month, in its right month, for the months of the year. So, Amatar, there's a lot of Chodesh going on there. Mm-hmm. So, Amatar, Chadesh, Vavei Korban, Mitumah Chadesha. Part of what it's saying is, Bechachel Hashanah, you should renew it, and these communal sacrifices have to come from new funds each year. Meaning it's taken for granted that communal sacrifices come from communal funds. That's what makes them communal. But the Chachay Hashanah says it has to be renewed each year. Okay. The Gemiri Shana Shana Minisan. How do you know it's Nisan? Because here it says L'chachay Hashanah and by Nisan it's Siv Dichsiv Rishon Hulachem L'chachay Hashanah like we quoted before. So the same way that's Nisan. This idea of renewing is at Nisan. So the Gemara says, "V'lim or shana shana mitishrei." I don't get it. Maybe it should be tishrei. So see, Mereshi Toshana, God looks at the world, judges the world from the beginning of the year, and we know we'll discuss later that that's Rosh Hashanah, that's tishrei. 
No, by the idea of the new Korbanot, it says Chadshei Hashanah, it has months of the year. And by Nisan it says, Rishon Hulachem L'Chadshei Hashanah, months of the year. So those are very linked phrases. They both have year and month. You don't apply a verse where it says year with month, you know, that this is a new korban from a verse that has the, the word year without month by Rosh Hashanah. So basically, the pasuk of Nisan and the pasuk of new korbanos link and tell you that it begins anew at Nisan. The new communal sacrifices that come on the first of Nisan, right, which we've been talking about, you have a mitzvah to bring it from the new funds. But still, if you bring it from old funds, it's still a communal sacrifice, mm-hmm. and therefore it's still a good korban. You lost the mitzvah of the idea of a new year, new funds. Tiny Nangihari, we talked similarly. There's a mitzvah to bring them, starting on Rosh Chodesh Nisan from the new funds. If you brought from the old funds, you fulfilled the obligation, but you lost the mitzvah. Now, another halacha, since we're talking about it being communal, if an individual, a private person, contributed, gave his own animal, here, used this as a communal sacrifice then kshirim, that you can use that as communal, even though it's coming from an individual, but he has to truly give it over to the community, right? You see that? You see that korban tamid being brought today? That's mine. That's my animal, right? So if you're still saying that, then it's not a real korban tibor. So yes, you can take your donations, but you have to completely sever your relationship with it. It's, you know, don't longer treat it a look yours. No, it's now the tibors. Okay? Shita, um, obviously, if that, He's totally giving it over. Why should it be a problem? No. Even though it seems like he is, maybe we should be concerned he's not really. You know? And he'll still wind up talking about how it was his animal that was brought as a Corbin Seber. So... Kamash Malan, we're not concerned that if it really, if it looks like he really is, and he says he really is, we take him at his word. The Tanadina, now why does the author of our Mishnah not mention Nisan as being the first month for, um, what do you call it, for uh, the new Shkalim? So, Kivan the Ketanim, Hevi Yatsa, Lopsikale, since to the end, you can, if you're, you're Yotze, when you bring from the old, it's not as weighty, you know, it's not absolute. You know, yeah, it's supposed to be the new funds here, but not in the absolute sense, because with the Yevid, you could still bring from the old funds. Okay. The Yeshami Master Sirut Batim, the last thing mentioned in this price is for uh, renting, if you have a contract and it says until the new year, or until the end of the year, it's determined by Nisan. Which again works if in general your Shtarot are dated based on Nisan. If you sell some, if you rent something for a year, for the duration of a year, then you go back to the same date, the same calendar date. So by the way, it's not always 12 months. If it's a leap year, it would be 13. The point is, you go back to the same calendar date. You know, from other three until other two of the next year. The im amar and if you say, I'm renting it to you for this year, until the end of this year, so, even if you only rented it on the first of Adar, once the first of Nisan came about, that's it. That's the end of the year. Because the year is defined as Nisan. So you say, until the end of the year, 
Yeah, so that would be, you know, like we would say if it was in, you know, a secular context, if you said the end of the year would be understood. It stops on December 31st, however many days it was between now and then. Here too, it stops on the last day of Adar. Okay, and that's what the point of Nisan being Rosh Chodesh means. Rosh Hashanah for that means. Now the Mar says like this, even though in other contexts, like when we count the years of kings and other contexts, we say one day can already count as, of the end of the year can already count as a year. So why does it have to be that you rented it on the 1st of Adar? Maybe you rented it on the 28th of Adar, right? And maybe you said the end of the year and you get it for two days. Why, 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 would, you, why would we say a minimum only if it was a month? Mar says no. Um, people don't rent houses for less than 30 days they don't go to the effort of drawing up a contract and renting a house like minimum a month like who, who takes out a lease for less than a month okay so therefore if it was less than a month if it was the 28th of Adar then we would actually probably say it meant till the end of next year right whereas if it says you know if it's the 1st of Adar we say it's for one month so the Gemara says the Eimatishrei so where do you get Nitzan? Right? This is anyways, it's not based on Pasuk, this is just based on convention. So maybe it means Tishrei. So Gmar says no. Stam ki other inish beisa When people rent a house, they want to rent it for the rainy season, right? This certainly reflects, you know, the reality and the more susceptibility to the, to the you know, to the weather. So, um, so therefore, the rainy season begins when? When you start saying, or right after Tishrei, right? And, or whatever, after Sukkot. So therefore, if you're, if you're renting it, you don't, nobody wants it to stop right before Tishrei. That's the time that you want to make sure that you've got your house. So it would not make sense for that to be defined as the year. Okay? Right? Because you understand, right? right? Because if you rented it right before Tishrei, it would be crazy that Tishrei would be when you have to get evicted. Nobody wants to get evicted right before the rainy season. Nobody wants to have to start looking for a new house right before the rainy season. Okay, so that's why it could not mean the first of Tishrei. Um, the Tanakama, the, um, the Bryce of the Tanadidan, the Nisan. So, and how about, this is only a Yeshomrim for houses. How, but the first opinion did not think Nisan was Rosh Hashanah for this contract. And the author of our Mishnah also did not think Nisan was Rosh Hashanah for renting houses. What's their opinion? So they say, You know what? And said, also sometimes you get clouds and sometimes you get rain. So there's no logical reason to think that you're just as willing to get, you know, to end your contract, you know, in Nissan. Nobody wants to be leaving their house in Nissan either, right? You know, what is it? April showers bring me flowers or something? I mean, right now it's pouring. So, you know, it rains sometimes in the spring also. So, I don't know what they would say there. So, therefore, what would you say? Tishrei? I mean, is Tishrei any better? But I guess they would say there's no absolute re- rule. You know, you have to look in each locale what the context is and what's assumed based on when you say a year. Now, the other thing you might want to look at is how much money was paid. And that might be an indication of what was meant. Right? And this becomes a question. And according to the approach that Nissan always defines the end of the year, what if the amount that's paid is completely out of whack? It was Rosh Chodesh Adar and it was a year's worth of rent. Right? Would you really say that it stops at Nisan? So Tosos, look at Tosos, he says, also Loshana, says Tosos, the lower meaning hadami modim. And we don't say that we are going to look at the amount that's being paid and we're going to use that to determine. What do you do with all the excess funds? It's crazy. You know, you're not going to pay $10,000 for one month. So, oh, we'll either say that was a gift, meaning basically, yeah, he overpaid and he just wanted to give it as a gift, a signing bonus, I guess, in the opposite. Anyway, or, no, he just meant it as like, 
hold on to this money, but he was going to get it back in the end. Obviously, there's a big difference, which is, am I going to yeah. get <laughs> the excess money back? But that becomes also the whole fascinating question of Dine Mominus, and do you go after Rove, and what type of factors do you use? So, you know, the fact that it's only a Yesh Omrim is good, because it makes more sense that there isn't a very well-defined convention, you know, that you would use the, um, that you would look at the more context to try to determine what was meant. Okay, now we are finally done with our Mishnah, with explore, I mean, with the issues about Russia, about Nisan, right? We, so we had, we had Melachim, we had kings, we had Rigalim, right? And um, that's it in our Mishnah. We looked at a Brita that had Nisan for a whole other series of things, Iburim, etc., etc. We looked at other things that weren't in our Mishnah, you know, Chadashim and so on, and now we're done with Nisan. And now we move on to the next part of the Mishnah, which is um, Iyar, okay, which is, right, the, I'm sorry, not Iyar, the Echad Elul, thank you, Rosh Hashanah L'ma'asir Behemah. And Rabbi Yudhiyaz and Rabbi Shimon say Be'echad Be'kishrei. Okay, so this is when you count, you look at all the animals born that year and you take, you know, every tenth one and that becomes Ma'asir and what year means born that year and this is the debate of whether you go by Elul or Tishrei. Yes? Okay, so let's take a look at the Kavara. Be'echad Elul Rosh Hashanah L'ma'asir Be'hemah. Money. So we know Rabbi Yudhiyaz and Rabbi Shimon say you go by Eon. But I'm sorry, by, uh, by, by Tishrei. I don't know why it's what they say. We know they say Tishrei. That's the next line in the Mishnah. Who is the, uh, the Stam author of the Mishnah that says that Master Behemoth goes by Elul? So the Mishnah says Rebbe Meir here. It's Rebbe Meir. Okay, so Rebbe Meir is the one that says the first of Elul is Rosh Hashanah from Meir Behemoth. Good. So that line in the Mishnah of the first of Elul is Rebbe Meir. So says the Gemara, well, we're going money. Now, the Gemara said that Tishrei was Rosh Hashanah for Regalim. We said, what does that mean? We, assumed, we said it meant that you had to do the Regalim in order, starting with Pesach, in order to be over on Balta Acher. Now, who was that author? Remember, we mentioned a brighter that had many different opinions about what you need, about which Regalim and how many and what order for Balta Acher. Who was the one that said it was three Regalim starting with Nisan? Rabbi Shimini. So we saw in an earlier brighter that that was Rabbi Shimon. Aim a safe, and now let's look at the, at the next line of the Mishnah. The first of Tishrei. So the Gemara makes a very good question, right? The Mishnah says, Nisan is Rosh Hashanah Lirigalim, which means basically you need Kisivran for Baal Ta'acher, right? Which starting with, you know, starting with Pesach, right? That's what Rosh Hashanah Lirigalim means. And we know that that idea of Baal Ta'acher is Rebbe Shimon. Okay, then we say, Elul, the Ma'afer Behemah. And we know from a Mishnah in Bechorot that who says that? Rebbe Meir. And then it says, Rebbe Shimon, Rebbe Eliezer, Omim, you know, it is not Elul, but it is Tishrei. Okay? So, look at our, you know, look at our Mishnah. First it quotes the Stam of Rebbe Shimon, then it shifts to the Stam of Rebbe Meir. Right? So, what's the story? And then it goes back to a Rebbe Shimon position. But like, you know, so, but, but how is it adopting a stam the first line of Nisan is a position of, as a Rebbe Shimon position, and the next line of Elul is a Rebbe Meir position. So the Gemara says, um, okay, Reisha V'Sefer Rebbe Shimon, Umitzi also Rebbe Meir, used the beginning and the end is Rebbe Shimon, and the middle is Rebbe Meir. I'm Rebbe Yosef, so Rebbe says, yeah, Rebbe, look, Rebbe is the author, he gets to pick and choose. V'Nosi V'Lei, 
um, a leave of the Tanai. And he picks, you know, which Tanayim he likes. He picks different positions according to different Tanayim. The Regalim Savalak Rebishim. In the first line of the Mishnah of Nisan, and the Regalim go in order for Baal Ta'achir is a Rebishim in position. For Maishu Behemoth Savalak Rebimeyer. And the next line of the first of Elul is a Rebimeyer position, and he likes that Rebimeyer position. So, yeah, it's true that they're different authors, um, but that's the way Rebbe Paskin. Yes, the Gemara says one minute. He also, if that's true, Arba, what do you mean for Rosh Hashanah? Hamisha Have, there are five. Why are there five? Because it said, remember, it said, Nisim was Rosh Hashanah, Umlachim, right? Ulurikalim, okay? And then it said Elo, and then what was next? Tishrei is, uh, what all the things that Tishrei are for? What were some of the things mentioned in the Mishnah for Tishrei? Rosh Hashanah Lish, Lishanim, Lishmitim, etc. Shani, Lishmitim, etc. And then it had Shvat. Right for that's for trees, right? You be shot, etc. Okay, so we say one, two, right? One, two, three, four. But now we've got a problem, which you could have asked without this whole Rebbe Shimon, Rebbe Mayer thing, which is since this is Rosh Hashanah Limachim, this is Nisan one. Mm-hmm. Regalim is Nisan fifteen. So really, there are one, two, three, four, five. Okay, so now let's take a look at how we're, how we're going to deal with that. So the Gemara says there are five. Amar Rava says Rava Arba Lidivi Hakol. Four. Everybody agrees to four. Rabbi Meir Arba Dal Regalim. Rabbi Meir would have four minus the Regalim. Rabbi Shimon Arba Dal Masavayma. Rabbi Shimon would have four because he would drop Masavayma. What does this mean? It means Rabbi Meir doesn't hold of this idea of Regalim, right? This is a Rabbi Shimon position, right? Mm-hmm. That you go start by 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 Pesach and go forward. So according to Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Meir wouldn't hold of this. And he would hold up four. He would have this, just one Nisan for kings, then Elul, then Tishrei, then Shvat. So he has four. Rabbi Shimon also has four. Why? Rabbi Shimon holds one Nisan, 15 Nisan, but he doesn't hold of Elul. Because he holds Meiser Behema is Tishrei. So he has one Nisan, 15 Nisan, not Elul, Tishrei, and Shvat. So both Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Shimon individually hold four. Although Rabbi's Psach gets him five. Because Rebbe now has Paskin, one Nisa, 15 Nisa, Elo, Tishrei, Shvat. So the individual Tanayim holds a four, but by him picking and choosing, he's left with five. So if Nazim Bar Yifka Kamar, Arba Chadashim, Ubehen Kamar Rasei Chadashim. Nah, four, there are four months, and some of the months have more than one Rosh Hashanah, like Nisan is one and 15, but it only counts as once. When we say four, we mean four months. All right. So, Mesa, now I'll ask you, because now it seems like there's more than four. Um, even more. Shishasar ben Nisan Rosh Hashanah Omer. The 16th of Nisan is the Rosh Hashanah Omer. What does it mean Rosh Hashanah Omer? It's the day you bring the Omer. But no, it also starts the year when you can eat the new grain. So this is the new year for the, new, for the grain um, that can be eaten. Shishah Sivan, the 6th of Sivan, meaning whenever Shuas falls out. Rosh Hashanah Lishvei Halachan. Is Rosh Hashanah for the two loaves of bread that are brought on Shavuot. Now what does that mean? That's such a korban. No. Because what, what are you allowed to do after you bring the Shvei Halachan? You know? Bring, bring, offerings. bring the mincha offerings from the new grain. Yeah. So in terms of, it's a year of now eating of the grain, of last year's grain that starts, your eating of it starts on the 16th of Nisan. The temple's acceptance of it, you know, having it as a sacrifice starts on the, on the 6th of Sivan. So therefore, um, these are two more new years. So we should have now six or seven. So the Rav Shisha, for Rav's idea, who said, who basically counted, you know, m- mid days of the months as separate Rosh Hashanah, we should go from four to six. 
Rav Nachman by Yitzchak, we see Chamisha, and he looks at Rav Nachman by Yitzchak, you say that's five. Why? Because Rav Nachman by Yitzchak doesn't count middays separately. So the 16th of Nisan wouldn't get counted, right? Because that's part of the Nisan category of months. But Sivan should still be counted. So how come this, this idea of Nisan and Sivan, of the Omer and the Shehalechem, does not up our numbers to five and six? So the says like this. Amar of Papa, so now we're going to have a series of answers. Amar of Papa, we're only counting things that begin the night before, that begin at the beginning of the day. These things, the Omer and the Shehalechem, is brought in the middle of the day, so they don't count. What do you mean? The regalim, you're, you know, you're only able to bring your korbanot in terms of Baal in the daytime. That doesn't start the night before and those are being counted. So the Kamara says, no, since your obligation to bring the korbanot started already way earlier, you're already obligated. So the regalim is just when the obligation sort of is over, you know, or is, has been violated. But in a sense, yeah, it's not like the whole thing began in the daytime of the, of the Regalim. All right. Very Yovlos. How about Yovel? So, Lohayami Orsa. That doesn't begin on the, on the, uh, the night before. Why? Because presumably by Yovel, it's on Yom Kippur, Ta'aviru Shofar B'cholar Tuchem, which is understood to be B'yoma Kippurim in the daytime. So, the Yovel year doesn't really begin until the daytime of Yom Kippur. That doesn't get started the night before, and that's listed in our Mishnah. The Kachashiv, and it's listed in the Mishnah. No, this is the position of Rabbi Shmuel, the son of Rabbi Yochum ben Broka, the Amar who says, Although you blow the shofar on Yom Kippur, it really begins on Rosh Hashanah and the night of Rosh Hashanah. Okay, so one answer, why don't we count 16th of Nisan and the, and the uh, 6th of Sivan? Because we don't count things that start in the middle of the day. This is a, maybe a simpler answer. Um, we're only, the Mishnah is only mentioning things that happen, don't require an action, happen automatically. First of Ashana rolls around, these halachas. First of Nisan, these halachas. Mm-hmm. This is less about the date, this is more about doing an action, bringing the Omer, bringing the Shtei Halachem. So there, it's a very different type of a category, right? That makes a lot of sense. If I said that to you, you would tell me, it's not about it being the 16th of Nisan, it's about the fact that you bring the Omer. And that's what he's saying. The Mishnah mentions things that are really about the dates and happen automatically. We're not mentioning things that are dependent on doing an action. So the Gemara says, How about the Regolim? That's about an action, that's about bringing Korbanot. So the Gemara says, no, 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 it's about not doing it. The Gemara says, No, the idea of the Regalim is, because you didn't do something, the date holds you liable. But it's not that the date has significance because you did something on that date. Okay, and we'll just read one more line. How about Yovel, that also has a blowing of a shofar, that's about an action. Now, again, that's the idea that it starts on Rosh Hashanah. Rav Ashi Amar, last answer, Arba Rosh Hashanim Hain, Shehain Ba'arba Rosh Hashanim Okay, there are four Rosh Hashanahs that fall on Rosh Chodesh, meaning we're only counting the Rosh Hashanahs that fall on the first of the month. So we're not counting the 16th of Sivan, of Nisan, we're not counting the 6th of Sivan, we're not going to count the Regalim, again, because we're really, we're mentioning the Regalim, but we're only counting Rosh Hashanah that begin on the first of the month. So that's great. One, two, three, four. All these begin on the first month. Except two bishvat. According to Beisel, it's two bishvat. So the Gemara says, um, uh, so the Gemara says, the Gemara says, what do you mean? How about the fact that the Echad bishvat is Beis Shammai? Hachi Kamer. 
There are three Rosh Hashanah according to everyone that start on the first of a month. When it comes to the first of Shvat, that's a debate. So the idea that there are four is really only a Beit Shammai position. Okay? But anyway, again, wow. trying to figure out how you get only four and what you do with these other ways of counting it.